This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 13th, 2011. The Land Between Complaint. And so from now until Easter, it's a season in the church known as Lent, L-E-N-T. It's a time when we look closely at ourselves and at our relationship with God. It's a time when we consider who we are and who God wants us to be, a time where we consider where we've been and where we're going. This year for Lent, we're going on a journey together to a place called the land between. It's a place where we've left behind where we once were, uh, uh, yet we've not yet reached the place where we're going. It's a place full of difficult, often unwanted transitions, and our response to the challenges of the land between will, will either bring us closer to God or push us further away. So I say again to you, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for gathering us here this morning for the mercies that you've just so lavishly dumped upon us, those that we recognize and those that we don't. Thank you for wooing us here by your grace. And now open us up. Help us set all those distractions of the world aside so that we can focus on your message found in Scripture. And we thank you for the way that you can speak to each one of us individually this day. We give this time to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. June the 1st, 1988, I came into my office from an appointment that uh, morning, and and Harriet, our administrative assistant, said, Alan, you need to get home. Carrie just called. Your dad's had a heart attack. So I jumped in the car and covered the 17 miles from Georgetown to Seaford as quickly as I could without getting another speeding ticket. And when I came through the front door of our house, And saw Carrie's face. She didn't have to say a word for me to know uh, where things stood. Um, My dad was gone. And in that instant, everything changed. You see, we we had already kind of been in the land between. My my mom had had some strokes. And um, in the process, my father was kind of concerned how he was going to care for her. So we had built an in-law suite onto this house, new house that we were building. And we were all going to move in July the 1st, one month later to the day. And my dad would take care of my mom, and, and we'd be there to help. <laughs> so much for that plan. Mom was still moving in, but dad wasn't going to be there to care for her. Welcome to the land between. It was a tough time. Alan's mom needed a lot of care. But, you know, God met us right there in that land between, and we had the privilege of four years of caring for her, of feeding her, of managing her care, and we experienced God's blessings 
in ways that we never would have or could have. And we were thankful. The land between, you know, as as we watch on the TV screen or hear in the news what's happening right now across the ocean, our brothers and sisters in Japan, wow, what devastation we see. And you know, there are brothers and sisters and they need our prayers. And we just look with horror as the death toll rate is, you know, rises, as we know, we can just imagine what it's like to wonder if our loved ones are alive, of the devastation of property. It's just beyond comprehension what they're going through. They're in a land between. And as Connection Community Church, we would ask that you add to your weekly prayer, which our our Jabez prayer is listed there on your bulletin, but please add our brothers and sisters in Japan. In fact, let's let's lift them up in prayer right now. Oh God, um, you know, when we don't have words to say, your Holy Spirit prays for us and we just watch and we we look and wow. Lord, we know that in your divine mercy and love, you meet those who are there and through your Holy Spirit can minister to them. We ask for people to be recovered, for us to be able to see miracles for there to be some good for that is what you promise in Romans 8 28 that those who love you no good can come out of some terrible things God cover that nation right now with your mercy and with your grace and help us as believers here to lift them up in prayer every day, if not multiple times a day. We present them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The land between. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there now. Maybe it's on the horizon and maybe it's in your future. You know, something changes and you find yourself in an unwanted transition and then, wow, everything changes. Oftentimes it drops on us like an exploding bomb when we hear certain things. Your position has been eliminated. I don't love you anymore. The tumor is malignant. Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. Dad, why is it always Dad on this one? I'm at the police station. (laughs) Maybe not. Your mother and I were getting divorced. We're moving. Your mom's had a stroke. How soon can you get to the hospital? Yeah, we know that one. And so there's an author named Jeff Mannion, and he wrote a book called The Land Between. And this is what he shares in his book. 
In a sentence, we are ripped from normality and find ourselves in a new world as if thrown from a moving train. We tumble into the world of the unemployed. We are hurled into the land of the suddenly single, the valley of the grieving, the new vocabulary of chemotherapy, or the weekly routine of nursing home visits. In our more confident, faith-filled moments, we know that we will regain our footing and find some kind of balance in a new normal. But for now, we are simply and suddenly between and at a loss as to how to navigate the terrain. And so even though it goes off like a, a grenade for many of us, for others, this land between comes on much more gradually. You know, maybe a, a marriage slowly fades out over the years, or uh, maybe a child just slowly pushes away from parents or from God. Uh, maybe a company becomes less relevant year by year by year. Mom or dad's lapses in memory become more frequent and more noticeable. And, you know, whether we, whether we enter the land between with a, with a bang or if it's slow and gradual, the landscape's still pretty much the same either way. And even though it's challenging, when we find ourselves in this land between, it is fertile ground for spiritual transformation. For spiritual transformation. It's a place where God's grace can be revealed in incredible ways. And yet, it's a place that's also ripe for development, the development of our faith. And at the same time, it can be a place where we grow bitter and resentful. Interesting place, that land between. And as Jeff Mannion says in his book, the wilderness where faith can thrive is the very desert where it can dry up and die if we are not watchful. The Bible story that bears this out probably more than any other is the story of the desert wanderings of the Israelites. Many of you are familiar with this story. It's, it's well known, you know. God calls Moses through a burning bush that's not consumed by the fire up on the mountain where, Jethro, or where Moses is tending sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. And God uh, goes ahead and shares his plan for freeing God's people from Pharaoh in Egypt after 400 years of, of uh, being enslaved. And God has chosen Moses to lead his people to freedom. Well, Moses balks at this, giving God excuse after excuse after excuse and to no avail. God sends Moses to confront Pharaoh and after a series of plagues ending with the death of all the firstborn in Israel, Pharaoh releases a couple of million people into the desert. Well, he changes his mind and follows them with an army of chariots only to be swallowed up. To the Red in the Red Sea after it parted, so that the Israelites could cross and be safe. And this Red Sea just swallows up Pharaoh's army. And so now the Israelites find themselves on the other side, which is the desert. 
It's a large desert, a huge desert, a desert that basically stretches from where they were, Egypt, to where they're eventually going to end up, uh, Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land they've been promised by God. Now, the thing is, though, they're going to spend a considerable, considerable amount of time in this desert, 40 years, 40 years. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to do it this way. How many here are 40 or under? I'm not going to say how many are over 40. Let's go 40 and under. Mm-hmm. See, for all you, it's your lifetime. Some of us, it's a, <laughs> we have a little bit more than that. But for you, just think your entire lifetime wandering around the desert. Wow, that, that's a lot of time in the land between. Yeah, of course, 40 years isn't too much when you consider that they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, 10 times that amount. And now they're finally free. They're free. They finally escaped. They're finally on the journey to the promised land. But first, they must go through the desert. They must go through the place that will challenge them. They must go through the place that will prepare them. They must go through the place that will test them. They must first go through the land between. Now here's the incredible part of this story, I think. Once they cross the Red Sea, once they escape the chariots of Pharaoh, once they hit the desert, after 400 years of captivity, you know the first thing they do? They complain. They complain. They've been held for 400 years. They finally have their freedom. God just did a miracle open in the sea so they could cross over. And they complain. Wow. It's incredible. And and that's important for us to look at. Because complaint is nearly always a component of our journey in the land between. When we read Exodus 15, after crossing the Red Sea, Moses led them in the desert of Shur. And they traveled three days without finding water. And then the water that they found, that water was bitter. And so they grumbled. Well, wouldn't you? I probably would too. They grumbled. They were thirsty. They said to Moses, what in the world are we going to drink? That's my paraphrase anyway. And so the Lord showed Moses a piece of wood. I didn't think that was NIV. I don't know. (laughs) The Lord showed Moses a piece of wood to throw into the water to sweeten it, to give them some water to drink for the moment. Well, then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and palm trees. And so they were camped near the water. There it was, the water just sitting there waiting for them. But their impatience, their lack of faith caused them to complain and complain and complain before they got there. And so then they set out from Elam and came to the desert of sin. I think that's an interesting uh, name, the desert of sin. In the desert, the whole community What do you think they did? Well, they grumbled. They're good at this, aren't they? They grumbled against Moses and his brother Aaron. 
And here's what they said. We find this in the 16th chapter of Exodus, verse 3. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Now, they're That's hardly some pretty escaped. serious grumbling. Huh? That's some pretty serious yeah, they've grumbling. They've hardly gotten their free. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. You know, there we sat around pots of meat and ate the food we want, all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. (laughs) Incredible, isn't it? Well, the Lord responded by giving them manna. Many of you have heard of manna. It's a white, kind of a flaky substance that would come on the ground, kind of like dew every day. And they'd gather just enough for their need because you couldn't hold it over because it would go bad. Except for the one day, the day before Sabbath, you could gather a double portion so that you didn't have to go out and gather it on the day of rest. Yeah, manna. And so God delivered them from slavery. God gave them water when they were thirsty. God gave them their daily bread, the manna, for their hunger. And yet they continued to grumble. Continue to grumble. Here's what we read in the book of Numbers that's in the Old Testament, chapter 11, and we're looking at verses 4 through 6. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Now, on one hand, we can imagine that the manna probably got old after a while. I mean, picture this. Hey, Mom, what's for dinner? Manna. You all can answer, right? Hey, Dad, what's for breakfast? Hey, what are we having for lunch? So the question becomes, do we have it boiled, broiled, roast, fried, I don't know, sauteed? (laughs) Sauteed manna. Doesn't sound real appetizing, does it? You know, the trouble is, no matter how you fix it, it's the same thing three times a day. Manna, manna, manna. (laughs) Manna. (laughs) And then if you look back at that quote, the, the rabble with them began to crave other food. The ra- You've heard that word rabble, right? You may have used it in the term rabble rousers. Rabble rousers. The, um, the rabble, the, the, the Hebrew word for it is asbasuf. As, as uh, he has that part because I can't uh, say uh, yeah. it. It means a collection of grumblers. <laughs> a collection of grumblers. And the rabble in this case, actually, uh, the, it looks like they are not... Israelites. The footnote in my scripture says they were probably a mixed crowd of, of Egyptians. Because another place it says the foreigners or the foreign rabble here. And probably maybe some Egyptians and others who followed the Israelites out of Egypt. They must have liked to have grumbled to go out there where there wasn't any food. Anyway, no matter who they are, foreigners or not, what their job is, what they feel compelled to do is to stir up the crowd. To try to get something started. Their grumbling ignites emotions of others, encouraging them to complain as well. They're, they're like a catalyst. 
As a result, the whole crowd starts looking not at their freedom from slavery, but at what they've left behind. You ever notice when you start looking at the past, it gets a little hazy and you forget some of the gory details. You know, you remember the good stuff. Like, yeah. I'm never going to have another baby. Oh, let's have another yeah. one. Three days yeah. yeah. Yeah, the moms know that. Yeah. See, instead of focusing on what's ahead, the promised land, they're remembering the meals they had in Egypt. You know, even though, and they said here, um, they said up there, the fish, you know, that we paid no price for that was free. They paid a severe price for that fish. Probably the highest price you can pay, your freedom. But they've forgotten that. That's all lost in the haze at this point. So that's what happens in the land between for us as well. We've left something behind and we haven't arrived at what's ahead yet. And so we complain about the place we find ourselves at the moment. We grumble about the land between and we look longingly to the past even if it wasn't that good. You know, the um, rabble is still with us today. <laughs> yeah. Every nation, <laughs> <laughs> every family, every place of employment, every church, there's rabble all around us. And the thing is, the rabble, God doesn't take away the rabble. They're here to stay. And they're going to continue to try to stir the pot, stir things up. And the question becomes this, will we let them be successful? Will we let the rabble dictate the day? Or will we join them in their grumbling, in their complaining? Will we let them stir the pot of contention? Or will we spend so much time focused on God listening to God, reading about God, that we don't have time to be listening to the rabble that sometimes is all around us. Let me ask you a question then. So when you're in the land between, what is it that is wearing you out, stealing your energy, draining your joy? You know, the Israelites, they were kind of sick of man, and you can catch that, right, after probably not too many days. What is it that you're sick of? What are you sick of? Uh, What's playing the part of the rabble in your life causing you to grumble and complain? Is it it the in-laws living with you? Is it having to keep saying no when people ask you if you found a job? Is it the endless medical tests that don't have a clear-cut diagnosis? Is it worrying over a child who continues to make bad, continually makes bad choices? Is it visiting your mother and having her repeatedly ask who you are? What is your manna? What's the manna in your life? And, and, and who constitutes the rabble trying to stir things up in your life? And here's our challenge. We often think that Nothing grows in the desert. Nothing grows in that land between. But that is not true. It is fertile ground, that land between. It is really fertile ground. It's fertile for grumbling. It's fertile for 
complaining. It's fertile for discontent. It's also fertile for good things. The truth is, when we look farther into this story of the Israelites, God takes complaining very seriously. You know, we think it's no major crime to grumble or to complain. Well, God really does take that seriously. Not only, see, God took their complaints really as an affront against him, a complaint against God. Not only did they desire something other than manna, their complaint was coupled with a longing for Egypt, the place that they had left behind. So in effect, they were saying that they were better off in Egypt, thereby saying that they were better off when they were not following God. God takes that very seriously. And it's easy for us to sit here today as we read this story and kind of condemn the Israelites for their complaining and turning from God. But the question is, don't we at sometimes do the very same thing? When we complain, is it possible that sometimes in that, in that complaint, basically, aren't we saying sometimes, God, I was better off without you? Jeff Mannion, who, again, who points out in this book, uh, Land Between, a book that um, inspired this series that we're doing for the next five weeks, He points out that there is a difference between complaint and honestly expressing our feelings before God. You know, the fact is God desires that we would be honest with him. It's productive and healing that we should try uh, to do that as much as we possibly can. And God is big enough to handle our honesty. But the line between honesty and complaint can be pretty thin sometimes. And, And when we travel through the land between, we need to remember that our souls can be very vulnerable. The land between can offer us our greatest opportunity for transformational growth, but also provides an enormous opportunity for bitter resentments to flourish and for our faith to shrivel up and sometimes die. You know, we always, we often don't get to choose what happens to us. There's a lot of things that we have absolutely no control over. But we can control our reactions. We can control our response. You see, when when things happen, we have to make a choice. We can choose maybe to withdraw emotionally. We may choose to get angry. We may choose to turn our backs on God. We may choose retail therapy. Yeah. Trying to numb our pain with purchases. We may choose to focus on revenge. Whatever it is, we choose something. Hmm. And we need to keep in mind that choosing is an opportunity. Whatever the trial we're dealing with in the land between We have the opportunity to endure the trial and cling to our faith in God even when things don't make sense. Even when God isn't delivering like we'd hoped He would, like we told Him He should. When things are tough in the land between, the question before us is this. Will we endure the trial and still possess a faith that is alive and well? Will we be challenged by disappointment and yet still cling to the belief that God is good, that God is wise, that God is loving, 
and that God still cares. Will we trust God or will our faith in a good, wise, loving, and caring God evaporate in the heat of the desert of the land between? Well, our natural tendency is to drift toward the complaint, to listen to the rabble, to jump on that train. That's our natural response. As, as Mannion says, generally, we don't have to extend an invitation for a complaint to show up. It arrives as an uninvited guest. But here's what we can do. We can discourage complaint to take up residency in our lives. We can, instead of choosing complaint, choosing to be part of just the whining and the groaning and the moaning, we can choose to trust. Because the complaint and trust don't occupy the same space. And so, because of Christ... And the hope that we have, that we are never forsaken, that we're always in the grip of the Almighty One who loves you and cares for you so intimately that you've been designed and desired by God and wooed by God to be in relationship, we can trust. That's the safe place to be. So when we find ourselves in the land between and I know that a lot of us are right there. What will we choose? Will we choose to be, jump on the bandwagon of the rabble, jump on that train? Or do we choose to trust, to believe in the very core that God is good and that his love endures forever? And that he is mighty to save. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what we sang. Complaint or trust in the land between. What will you choose? We pray that you'll trust. And allow yourselves to be carried in the mighty arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, it's, um, that land between is a tough spot, and we find ourselves there sometimes suddenly, and then other times we just say, wow, this is a tough spot. How did I get here? And God, we, um, we cry out, and we know that you're so big and you want to hear our cries. But Lord, we know that it grieves you when we get caught in that complaint mode. And so help us to trust you with every fiber of our body. And and when we're feeling shaken up to spend more time in your word, more time in prayer, more time in community, so that we can walk through this land between knowing that you lead us and guide us. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty grace. We pray this in your name. And all of Connection Church said,
Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.